This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined by Dave Prentice, Paul Wheelock and Sam Carroll. As for the second time this week, we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. On the agenda today, uh, the preview to the trip to Crystal Palace, of course. Everton still very much in the race for seventh and in need of a victory at Selhurst Park. We'll get the lads' predictions and their thoughts on Palace as an opposition. Uh, we'll talk about Leighton Baines and Phil Jagielka, a degree of clarity over their contract situation. And we'll be getting the panel's thoughts on what may lie ahead for the Goodison veterans. And we'll also be discussing the announcement of the PFA Team of the Year and why there was a significant omission as far as Blues are concerned with no Luca Dean in there. Um, Preno, it, it appears um, Bainesy, or certainly the club, are prepared to offer Leighton Baines a 12-month extension. We don't know whether he was accepted. We assume he would um, if it was offered. Does that feel like uh, the right the right piece of business to be doing? Hundred percent, yeah. Uh, we've said many times in this room that it's not just what a player can bring to a squad, you know, on the rare occasions that he's being used, and you know, clearly his quality is still you know good enough to to play Premier League football. But it's his influence around the place, you know. So his demeanour when he's not in the team, uh, the way he trains every day, uh, the little nuggets of advice and wisdom he can impart on the younger members of the squad, all very, very important. And uh, you, you need people like that. It's funny, actually, you know, because let's, let's not go over old ground again and talk about, uh, you know, so how dreadful Man United were and how we only beat them 4-0 because they were so awful and Everson were particularly good. But we, a theme that keeps, you know, so rising all the time about that is how few leaders Manchester United have off the pitch. And, you know, who do the young players look up to? You know, so who are they taking their lessons from? Now, Everton, we've argued here again that Everton do lack a little bit of leadership at times, you know, certainly on the pitch, but certainly in the squad, they have absolute leaders there in Phil Jagielka and Leighton Baines. The issue has been they haven't played often enough to be able to transmit that authority onto the pitch. But around the training ground, they do, you know, sort of have authority, experience, wisdom. So therefore, that's also very, very valuable and worth preserving for at least another season. But it's quite interesting that, you know, so Leighton Baines's name has been suggested as being offered a new deal, but no mention of Phil Jagielka. So does that suggest that, you know, so he's not going to get offered a new deal? You know, quite, quite a big call. But again, you know, we can understand why that might be. But yes, I think it's the right decision to take with Leighton Baines, certainly. Um, whether he'll accept it, we don't know. You know, he's not really played much football this season. It depends on whether he wants to play football regularly, week in, week out, or whether he's, you know, reasonably happy to get the occasional bit parts that he's had and just be part of the furniture. We'll have to wait and see. Well, that was going to be my, sort of my question. You know, a contract gets offered by the club, your boyhood club, you, you know, I think most people, if they were betting people, would, would say Bainesy would accept. But is there a situation that you can think of where he may not accept? Yeah, I could. Because I think his performance in the FA Cup game against Lincoln, again, you've got to give consideration for the opposition. But then the Huddersfield game before he actually he went off injured, I think he's proven on the occasions, the, the few occasions he's played this season, that he's still a very fine left-back. And I've got no doubt in my mind that he could still play for another Premier League club, certainly Championship. And as Dave said, then he's such a professional. He keeps himself in such great shape. There's almost thing, you know, you're a long time beside all ex-players say it don't need, you know, don't quit too soon because once it's over, it's over. And there are there is part of me that thinks that, you know, he's too good a player to sit on the sidelines like he has done this season, which is completely understandable because Luca Dean's been such a revelation. 
But at the same time, this is his, this is his club. Hopefully Everton do get into Europe, you know, finish seventh. There will be more games then. Maybe that will, will you know, will factor his, his, his final decision because, but, but the difficulty for thing for him is Luca Dean. You know, mm-hmm. he's just not going to play as much because he's now, uh, you know, Dean's a better player just because of the difference in age. You know, Baines has been a fantastic servant and a fantastic footballer for Everton, but I think he's got a big decision to make. I don't think it's straightforward for him. Sam, if you're... Young Anthony Robinson, and you're hearing the news that Leighton Baines could be offered the new 12-month deal. What, what are your thoughts at this at this point? Yeah, I think that was one of the first things I thought about when you when you first mentioned it. Actually, that obviously Robinson now has had two two years, and, and by all accounts, done done pretty well out on loan at, at Bolton and, and Wigan this season as well. So, yeah, I think if, if Baines does accept that contract, then you know it, it's looking to him for a, another year of loans. But we did give him a contract before we sent him on loan this season, so True. you know I, I do think it's a case still for Anthony of biding his time. You know, I'd be probably more concerned then if at the end of next season the club went and bought a, a replacement left back or gave Baines another year on on top of that, which would probably be uh, a little bit more concerning. Probably, I think I'd be frustrated. Maybe you'd have had that opportunity, you know, after having another good season at Wigan and you know you'd obviously you, you keep up to date with things at the club and, and you're kind of thinking well you know Baines out of contract this could be my chance to at least you know get me foot in the door Jordan pre-season but again you know all, all the young lads you know we'll, we'll start day one at Finch Farm before they go out on loan and stuff you know so hopefully Anthony can go in there uh, show what he can do you know certainly when I went and watched the under 23s a couple of seasons ago before Anthony went out on loan always one of the standout players and he's strong and athletic He's got good delivery. He's got attacking instincts as well. So, you know, I'm pretty confident in, in, in Everton's left side at the moment. I think it's the right side that needs a little bit more work, a little bit more reshaping. But, you know, certainly if Baines did accept that kind of contract offer and we had him for another season and then we can get Anthony another another 12 months in, in the championship for someone who'd, who'd like to take him, then I think we're, we're pretty sorted there for, for the future as long as Lucas Dean hangs around and and, and you know, Obviously, he's playing so well and you've kind of got to accept as being Evertonian. Eventually, other teams will kind of take note of, of this lad who I think all four of us would agree is the best left-back in the Premier League. Well, that's it. I think, you know, the left-backs at Everton have set the bar very, very high over the last yeah. few years. I mean, Leighton Baines was consistently the best left-back in the Premier League, you know, so for quite some time. And Luca Dean has just, like, seamlessly stepped in. And that means that, you know, on the rare occasions that, you know, your Luke Garbage, your Brendan Galloways uh, have come in, they've had to produce something really special to convince you know so the managers at the time that they're they're worth you know persevering with and to be quite frank neither did you know Galloway I liked a lot I thought you know he he started very very well but you know so clearly couldn't keep it going consistently Luke Garbus is is better performance tended to be at the top end of the pitch but defensively there was always a bit of an issue I think Anthony Robertson's got exactly the same problem he's got to try and find an absolute you know sort of top level of quality uh, to convince Marco Silva and Marcel Brands that he's worth persevering with I think he's, he's played a couple of games for the USA now hasn't he and he's I think he's had mixed uh, fortunes you know so one of them he got a bit of a run around I think I heard his debut he performed very very well uh, but the next game he got a bit of a run around so well, Brazil wasn't it uh, yeah well yeah, okay fair enough I think you know, he so. was <laughs> I have to double check that I think yeah, Brazil was one of those I think, I think, he, actually, I think he, he spoke about it afterwards didn't he yeah. and said it had been it had obviously been a, a learning curve for him in, in that Brazil game but yeah uh, but that's just they're the levels that you have to reach if you're yeah. going to displace Lucas Dean or Leighton Baines and, and actually they've been the levels pre-Luca Dean that Baines he's set and you, you list those those defenders and you can add in Brian Oviedo 
Bainesy has seen off some yeah. decent left backs, hasn't he? And if you think of how long it took for Baines to actually get into the team, yeah. because, you know, David Moyes, who bought the player and then seemed to have some kind of a bit of a doubt over his his height you know mm. he knew how big he was when he signed <laughs> and uh, he thought that there was a potential to get done at the far post you know so with headers and aerial you know deliveries and so he persevered with Jolly and Les got in that position and was a great left back to be fair but then when Baines finally was given his opportunity and you know sort of took it with both hands and as far as I can remember it's never been done at the far post with the header um, you know so it was he just it, it was just a weird one but it underlines you know again the levels of you know quality Everton have had in that position if a player has got as Leighton Baines, who they bought for six million quid, which is a fair bit of money back in the day, you know, so I had to wait, was it six months or 12 months before he could actually nail down a place permanently? And yeah, underlines his quality that, you know, he's, he's seen off all those comers for so long. Do you think Wheelow and Silver's thinking he's, he's he, you know, and, and as I said, it, it appears that the club are ready to offer an extension. He's looked at it and gone. No, or no other squad or very few squads in the Premier League I mean I can't really think of, of many would have strength in depth at left back like Everton would with Luca Dean as number one and, and assuming he's fit Baines as number two I mean off the top of your head can you think of a squad that I mean does City on paper with Mendy and Zinchenko or, or, or Everton's left back options even better than you know, cities. I, I agree. I've actually watched City quite a bit recently, obviously in the title run in the Champions League, and I wouldn't swap any of the left-sided players for probably Baines or certainly not for for Dean. And it, it, it really is like uh, you know a, a wonderful thing for Marco Silva to have, and he's probably lucky in the respect that Leighton's the age that he is, and it, it probably gives. Everton a chance of actually keeping him because, say, if he was two or three years younger, I don't think there'd be any possibility at all that. Late and be staying. It, similar in a way, if someone came in on the right side and done what Dean's done to Baines, does to Coleman, say if Everton signed a right back in the summer, which from what you've been saying, Phil, it looks like that could be the case. And they came in and immediately took, it was an improvement on Coleman. To me, at that stage, Coleman would probably have to think about, listen, I'm still in the prime of my career here. I think what's in Everton's favour is that Leighton is that age now. Mm. You know, do you want, do you want to leave and go and play, you know, for a, I don't know. Anybody else? Yeah, a Southampton or like go and play for Wigan in the Championship or, you know, is that too much of a step down or can you be satisfied with playing maybe 10 games a season? I, I, I hope to, you know, I really pray that he's still here next season because he's a, such a servant, but also because, as you said, rightly say, Phil, it's just that quality. It's great to know if Dean was to pick up an injury or suspension like he did early in the season. Or needs resting. Needs resting. Got a brilliant replacement there. And, and would Bainsey's body allow him, you know, sort of play more than a dozen games a season. I mean, he's picked up injuries for a player who, was it, did two full seasons of uh, every single minute of every single league game. I mean, it's rare for one player to do that once, let alone the same player to do it on two occasions. And he only missed a handful of games in the other seasons. But over the last three or four seasons, uh, frequency of injuries uh, has been much more accelerated. And even like last season, there were occasions when he wasn't available because of like niggles and things. So if he was to go elsewhere... Would he be able to play, you know, sort of full 38 match or 40 odd match season? And maybe he wouldn't. Maybe it would actually suit him, you know, sort to remain at Everton and uh, just be available when necessary. Depends on Europe as well, doesn't it? I mean, right. if, we, if we did qualify for Europe, you, you can't really go wrong. You know, if you do have those games at Krasnodar and <laughs> all those long, long court games. <laughs> you know, but if you, if you do, if you are going into those games and, and you see an opportunity to rest, Dean, you know, you'd still like to be able to bring in that quality of Leighton Baines instead of, you know, the, 
the, the slapdash last year of throwing Cuco Martina at left back and just hoping for the best. You know, obviously, no one ever wants to see that again. <laughs> okay, so moving on to the other uh, person in this discussion, Phil Jagielka. Um, we're expecting that next week and before the final home game of the season, uh, he should have some clarity or sort of a definitive idea of what his future will hold. Um, Prano, what's your hunch over Jags? Football is a ruthless business. Uh, it's an industry, you know, we're, we're told constantly there's no room for sentiment. And Everton can be quite a sentimental club sometimes. You know, that, that comes from the top, from the chairman, Bill Kenwright, who's very loyal uh, to his players. He loves his players. I mean, what was the interview last week where he interrupted and Coleman, described yeah. Seamus Coleman as his, was it a prince, prince or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he does. He, 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 has, a, he has a great uh, a great affection for and a great you know rapport with footballers. And I think, you know, given the opportunity, I think he probably might like to offer, you know, so Phil Jagielka another year. But my hunch is he won't get one because football is an industry. Football is a ruthless business. And Everton do have other options that they need to push and explore and persevere with. OK, we don't know what's happening with Kurt Zuma, you know, so that, that's something that, you know, is, is you know, an imponderable for this summer. Uh, but Michael Keane has flourished this season, has settled into that role. We haven't seen enough of Yerry Mina and we need to see, you know, so more of him to know so what he's going to be like. Um, do we persevere with a, a 35-year-old, 36-year-old uh, centre-half who, when he's played, has been great? I mean, still that love that start that Everton still haven't conceded a goal when he's been on the pitch this season. And it's, you know, quite a number of minutes now. It's not well, just Fulham like... Fulham now, though, that's, that ruined it, didn't it? Oh, was he, did he play at Fulham, did he? He oh, did, he's, sadly. He's just ruined that stat. <laughs> Sorry. I hate that stat. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, prior to that, he'd, uh, Fulham, yes. he'd not conceded a goal. And, you know, his performances have been decent whenever he played. But, again, it's availability. He's not been available, you know, so as often as he would have liked. Um, despite the experience and the authority, you know, so he brings off the pitch and the changing rooms and everything. Can Everson, you know, indulge that if it's holding back, you know, so other players in the squad. I'm not so sure Feeney's ready maybe for, you know, so senior football just yet, but, you know, would it stunt his development? I can understand the reasons for why maybe he wouldn't get a new deal. And it, I feel quite sad, you know, saying that because he has been such a great servant for Everson and has you know, he's been absolutely exemplary in his attitude, you know, so throughout his time at Everton Football Club. And I hope that, you know, if a decision is taken, similar to Sylvan Distan when he was let go, a decision is made and is announced prior to the final home game so that supporters can say a proper farewell to him and he can take that salute from the crowd, you know, which Sylvan Distan was allowed to do uh, not that many years ago. Well, also in the interest of balance, when we were talking about Leighton Baines and Preno, um, very very articulately uh, explain what Baines he brings, not just on the field, but off the field at Finch Farm. If you take away Baines' name, can you not just put Jagielka's in and, and say, well, he does exactly the same, so he should be getting an extension? Yeah, yeah you know, he's still our, the captain of our football club and he proved when he was thrown in at the last minute against Arsenal that he's, he's still a fine defender. And in a way, I wish he would never played against Fulham because if that was kind of like this, the sign off a winner in a fantastic performance against Arsenal and then yeah. come on at some stage against Burnley if he is to leave, in a way, I wish that would have been it. And maybe Marco, in hindsight, would have felt he may should have been a bit more ruthless mm. and play Michael Keane. The difference, I think, between Jags and Baines, I think with the, the the money that Everton and all Premier League clubs have got now, to be quite honest, giving Jags a year's extra contact is not going to make much big difference financially. If they, if Marco feels it's better to have him around Finch Farm and around the club, it, it doesn't particularly bother me because, you know, let's face it, money's no object now uh, for most Premier League teams. 
the difference I think with uh, Phil and uh, and Leighton Baines is that I, I just wonder where Jags is going to play uh, because Keane, as Dave rightly said, has flourished this season. Yeri Mina hopefully will have a better season next year, injury free. Love it if Everton could get Zuma in. And then I think you've got to take into account Mason Holgate. Because I know uh, we've done pieces, haven't we, about from uh, his time at West Brom. It seems like he's done really well. And to me, if you can have three top-class centre-backs, like we hopefully have with Mean and Zuma and, and Keane, you still need a fourth. And I think if Holgate's to come back into the fray and, and play more of a part, I wouldn't want Jackie Elkis stopping him from being that. So it's almost like would you give him a contract just out of sentiments and I wouldn't be against that mm. but I think I just wonder if this is the right time it, it, uh, Sam you know on the counter to what Wheelow has said there Marcel Brands has been charged with reducing a inflated wage bill at last set of accounts was £145 million only three players was, were taken permanently off the wage bill last summer more are going to have to be taken off this summer can the club afford to be sentimental if you like and, and and keep these players around just because they might add something off the pitch I just I don't think we're in a position now where we will be sentimental anymore you know I think Marco and Marcel seem pretty balanced characters who won't be handing out contracts just because you know they want you know I think Tony Ibbett probably got a couple of years extra when potentially you know we, we, there wasn't much kind of potential for him to, to keep to keep playing and, and have a regular role and I think that is probably where it counts against Jagielka that as Paul's saying you know you've got Holgate to come back there's a few other young lads you know pretty decent kind of in the under 23s and out on loan as well uh, you know and, and when you think about your piece yesterday where you know it kind of said about 20 senior players in training supplemented by young lads you know you're kind of thinking do, will they have Mina? If, uh, Mina, you know, will they, if they sign Zuma, Keane, Holgate, do they need Jag? Do they need that fifth centre back? And you know, obviously it'll depend on Zuma or who else they bring in. But I just can't really see where Jags fits into the picture next season. And and when you add into that the the wage bill, you know, it's, it's one of them. I think I think as we've all kind of said there, you know, you give them a good send off. You know, Jags will always be a, a, an Everton icon to people my age growing up. You know been a big part of, of my childhood from from when he signed to you know take scoring the penalty to take us to that FA Cup final and always put his body on the line forever and you know he's not he's not a local lad but he's always kind of been one of us as well so although he'll always be missed and he'll always be welcomed back at Goodison I think it's kind of it's the right time obviously we, it remains to be seen what does happen with either player but Prenel did you like Sylvan Distan's suggestion this week that <laughs> some sort of testimony in pre-season should be on the cards uh, I love the idea yeah um, not sure Sylvan's on the uh, on the committee though no but, it's, uh, it's a bit late in the day as well to be thinking about things like that it's it is it's a bit harsh and it's a bit ruthless sometimes football and when you know you're talking about uh, Phil Jagielka's contribution to Everson's you know so recent history and uh, I say the word recent because, you know, so I'm getting on a bit. But, you know, so yeah, for you, it's like, you know, it's a long period of time. It's like yeah. well over a decade. And somebody that's like performed with such fortitude throughout that period, you think maybe deserves a little bit more grace than he's being given. You know, we're only, well, a fortnight, you know, three weeks away from the end of the season. You know, we're only, we're less than 10 days away from the last home match of the season. And he still doesn't know, you know, so whether he's going to be given a new deal, whether he's going to be here next year or not. And, does he deserve a little Football's bit more? Football's ruthless, you It's said very it ruthless. It's, well, I remember it happening so many times at Everton in the past. Kevin Ratcliffe was the major one, the most successful club, you know, skipper in the club's history. 
and you know was basically farmed out you know so very very quickly and they couldn't find a club to take him in the end and it was quite embarrassing you know so Howard Candle having to you know so call in favours to find somewhere that would take him and I think he went to, to Derby, was it, or Dundee eventually, you know, so I took him. And it was, it, it was quite an unsavoury end, you know, so to a magnificent career. And, you know, Phil Jagielka, again, has been magnificent for Everton. And OK, you'll argue he's been well rewarded, you know, he's had a you know, good contract throughout that period. But equally, I'd like to see him, at least given the opportunity, you know, sort to lead the team out maybe, you know, so one last time or, you know, sort of take part in a lap of honour and wave to the crowd knowing, you know, it's going to be his final appearance. Duncan Ferguson was another one that complained bitterly that he never realised it was going to be his last game and, you know, so held it against David Moyes for a long time, even though most of us inside the day knew it was going to be his last you know, game. Well, Duncan day. got his testimonial, didn't he? Well, got a testimonial eventually. Whether they, they would organise one for pre-season, I think it'd be worthwhile, personally. Uh, you know, so who you'd have it against, I don't know. Um, but, you know, so just give an opportunity for fans to say thank you to two absolutely, you know, so committed servants. And as ever with testimonials nowadays, the money wouldn't go to them. It would go to a charity, you know, the Everson Former Players Foundation or something. You know, so the Everson in the community, you know, so charity, just, you know, so a, a really good cause. Or do we go down the Chelsea route against Burnley, play Jags for six minutes? Right, <laughs> line up and give him a guard of honour. Hopefully, oh, as no. he walks off the field. <laughs> Don't even in. mention him in the same sentence as maybe, John. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we just book at Anfield and tell Jags to stand on the edge of the area. And just, 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 try, just, just try to ping it. As yeah. that ball fell out the air, I was standing next to my mate uh, in work, and my mate went like, hit it. And I just went, I just turned my back and just went, what a pointless effort. And I just seen people <laughs> jumping around everywhere. Indeed. What a day. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Moving on uh, to the second part of today's podcast, uh, PFA Team of the Year was announced. And for many Evertonians, the omission of Luca Dean at left back was a, um, well, travesty, Wheelow. Um, do you think Luca Dean should have been in there ahead of uh, Andy Robertson? Yes, I can understand why not, though, given, you know, let's face it, the team's dominated by Man City and Liverpool players and then the bizarre uh, selection of Paul Pogba as well. But yeah, <laughs> like, I, I, you know, I, I, I've, even though he plays for Liverpool, I really like Andy Robertson. I think he's a, he's a fantastic footballer. I know Marco has said that himself when he had him in charge of uh, Hull, but the statistics back it up with Luca Dean you know this is his first season in English football you know he's come in and took over such a great player in Leighton Baines you know he's scored a lot more goals than Robinson he's he's not in as good a side unfortunately as, as Liverpool at this moment in time I just thought like everything at the moment because someone plays for Liverpool and someone plays for City it's almost like it's a given you know I like Trent Alexander-Arnold. Has he had a better season than Wan-Bissanka of uh, Palace? I, I wouldn't argue. So I just sometimes think maybe the players or even the journalists, uh, you know, who do like the football writers on camp, sometimes you'd be guilty of just looking at the, those those big teams or the teams that are most successful at the moment. Uh, and the issue, of, of course, is when the voting takes place with the players. So a player could be in a, in a bit of a purple patch to get the votes and then disappear for Cliff, i.e. Pogba, who I think had turned it on for a couple of weeks, hadn't he? When the voting came on, everybody, oh yeah, Paul Pogba, get him in the team. But in reality, he's had a terrible season, really, by his standards. Definitely, well, God, you know, if they were voting now, Guy must have a good chance yeah. of playing, you know, instead of that midfield. That's it, footballers have very, you know, so short memories. And I heard somebody on the radio the other day talking about how easy it is to influence teammates. And you sat there with your phone and you're filling in your right back and your left back. And, you know, oh, left back, I don't know, Andy Robertson. Nah, I don't fancy him, you know, so, you know, what about him? And they do, they just like <laughs> wind each other up, they influence <laughs> each other. And it's not the most scientific, yes. you know, sort of method of finding out the best uh, left back ever season. 
I, I wouldn't argue against Andy Robertson. You know, so he's had a great season, and you know, he plays for a team that's you know going to have well end the season with ninety seven points and still lose the Premier League. <laughs> you know, so how Don't hard that's going to be. But you know, you can't really you know so argue against that. But Lucas Dean has had a great debut season, and you know, if he continues you know so to produce that kind of football next season. There's a, a difficult decision for a lot of footballers to have to make when the PFA forms come round again, you know, sort of March, April time. Um, Sam Pogba's in there, and, and, and some people's rationale for why he may have got in there is he scored 12 goals. Well, Guilfi Sigurdsson's got 13. Yeah, definitely. I think Sigurdsson and Richarlison, I think how many goals they've scored has, has gone under the radar. You know, I think we were talking about the other week, weren't we? two Everton players haven't got to this tally in a, in a, in a same season in a in a long time, you know, and I think Sigurdsson, again, you know, maybe a start of the season or when we went through that little sticky patch, I think it was, you know, and his kind of influence declined a little bit, you know, and, and I think he is a kind of easy player to get on his back sometimes because, you know, he's he's not the most quick, he's not the most dynamic, but, you know, against Manchester United, I think, again, his individual performance went under the radar, you know, as well as the goal, that little nutmeg for, for Walcott's assist, you know, another lovely ball and, and what he brings to the team this season, I think, has finally proven why Steve Walsh and Ronald Koeman were, were, were kind of chasing them so so much that summer and, and spent a lot of time trying to sign them when maybe last season you questioned why they didn't kind of abandon that pursuit and, and try and line, line, line up a striker. But, you know, Sigurdsson has just been unbelievable this season. You know, I know Preno's a, a big fan of, fan of his and, yeah, I think you could, I mean, you could make a case for 75% of midfielders being in over Pogba <laughs> couldn't you but you could definitely make a case for him I think you'd make a case for Gay and I think probably what's what's impacted Dean getting in over Robertson has definitely been that around the time they were voting and if it's coincided with Pogba's good form it's also coincided with Everton's kind of dismal streak as well Possibly did, yeah. mm. so and I think the other thing as well I think I think what Dean's been so impressive is that you know you look at maybe like the assists Robertson's got but this is playing in a team with the three best forwards, if not in the Premier League, in the world at the moment in, in, in Liverpool's attack, as hard as that is to say. You know, Dean's been getting these goals and assists in a team that has been pretty mediocre for the whole season. Richarlison has, Sigurdsson has, you know, and, and it definitely bodes well, you know, for the future, for next season. If we can get a team playing well week in, week out, you know, these players these players could have a, a big, big season ahead of them. I think, you know, Everson have had... Very, very few players, you know, so in the PFA team of the year you know, in the last twenty odd years, really. I think Leighton Baines is the only one I can think of it in recent memory, and that is indicative of basically how ordinary we've been, you know. So during the uh, the, the Premier League era, or certainly over the last ten years or so, because it does tend to be the teams that are in the top two or three in the table that you know that dominate that. You do occasionally get you know sort of one standout performer like a Matthew Letizia or somebody that'll you know sort of get consistently get in because of the uh, the force of the you know their talent. But generally, you know, so footballers look at who's challenging for the Premier League title and pick them accordingly, which is why ten of the eleven came from Man City and Liverpool with the uh, the unusual you know sort of addition of, of Paul Pogba in there. So you know, Emerson needs to start performing more consistently if they're going to trouble the PFA team of the year more consistently. Uh, a final part of today's podcast before we wrap up, uh, we will look to Sellers Park and tomorrow's game with Palace. Wheelow Palace seem to have done this recurring theme where they look like the dead set to go down and then turn it on in the second half of the season and then get safety with a couple of games to spare. Done it again. Uh, victory at Arsenal last weekend has, has uh, secured their survival, hasn't it? Um, what do you expect from Palace? 
I quite like them. I quite like them at Goodison early in the season. It was 2-0, two, two got two yeah. late goals, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, not a massive Hodgson fan, but I think they've got some really good players. You know, I like Townsend, I like Zaha, I think the midfield's got goals from MacArthur. They could get Bentake scoring. I think they're a half-decent Premier League outfit. If this was Goodison on Saturday, despite our fantastic form, I'd probably have more reservations because Palace do seem to be like a like a way specialist, don't they? Counter think yeah. counter-attacking team with those two wingers particularly uh, but at home I just wonder if the, the onus has got on them and despite those kind of uh, good players I was talking about there I think they may lack a little bit of creativity through the middle and it might shoot Everton on, on Saturday kind of thing you know Palace's tails will be up but maybe if they come at us you know we could hit them on the break do a bit of what they do away from home but you know I, th- I think it'd be a good game I think it'd be a tough game Sam thoughts on Palace Where's the, where's the biggest threat? Is it is it the obvious? Is it Zaha? I I would never speak to my mum and dad again to sign Zaha for Everton. <laughs> Apologies if, if anyone. <laughs> I, I know our fingers got burned signing Balassi that time, but we won one hundred percent for the extra ten million, fifteen million, whatever it would have been. He, he is just unbelievable when you, when you see him sometimes, and it's, it's, I just think he'd fit in so well to this kind of. I mean, I know at the moment you think where did you put him, but you, you'd find a place for him, and you know. Even if we have to just play with twelve men, just bend the rules, <laughs> just get them in. But yeah, I think he'll be the main. Does he play on the left or the right, or does he, he both just pl- swap? Plays wherever he likes. Like, yeah, he? literally yeah. plays wherever he says. So Royal playing here. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be a big day for you know Gay and, and whoever plays at fullbacks, probably Coleman and Dean to to kind of shackle them. But yeah, we, we've had some pretty decent results at Tellers Park the last. The one where Coleman scored that kind of like cross, nil, cross yeah. goal that was a. A decent one, I think there was one where we were in pretty bad nick and we went there and Lukaku scored and, yep. and another 1-0, so... 2-2 two, two, last season, of course, Umar. Umar, oh, yeah, yeah, when he got, got done for diving. Got done for diving, yeah. yeah. And so, obviously, that, that I don't think we're in the worst kind of form in Selhurst Park, but as Wheelow says, you know, their tails will be up. I mean, they did beat an Arsenal team featuring Carl Jenkinson at, at right back, <laughs> so, you know, I think it's a, it's a good game, but it's also a big test for us isn't it you know that Fulham game was, was just shocking you know and we, we obviously spoke about it in length in this podcast and you know it, it was just an embarrassing defeat and I think we've got to now prove that as good as we can be when Goodison gets up and, and, and inspires the team and you know the team play off the back of that atmosphere we, we need we need to go there now and definitely against Palace and Spurs now we need to at, le- at the very least we need to get a result of Palace and, and, and show a performance at Spurs because you know we need a little bit of momentum going into next season and, and be able to show we can go into these grounds, you know, Sellers Park will always have a good atmosphere and, and come back with the three points and, you know, what I think we could end the season really positively and I do think if we can, if we beat Palace and Burnley, we'll, we'll finish seventh, 100%. It, it's an odd place, Sellers Park, isn't it? I've always yeah. thought it's one of those curious, like, London venues and uh, it doesn't look particularly imposing. It's an old-fashioned ground, it's quite open and yet the noise there is great. I mean, you know, they do create a really good atmosphere. You know, it's, it's a proper traditional, you know, sort of football venue. Um, and yeah, their home performances have been been mixed. To be honest, it's a big test. It's a it's a more important game than you. Know, so maybe we're giving it you know so the significance too because you know the one thing that Marcus Silva hasn't achieved is like momentum. He's just yeah. got to a certain point, then we've had a dodgy result. Get to a certain point again, and then fall down again. And you know to have had you know such a great you know so result you know so last week. Uh, you know, you want to build on it, you know. So you want to go to Sellers Park and get another victory, you know, to set us up for the, the final home game of the season. And so you just you fear another Fulham type, you know, so 
moment. It'll be a big test for the players' personalities and attitudes in this game. You know, okay, they can do it against Man United at Goodison when the crowds roar and the sirens blaring and everything. Can they do it when Glad Ollo was pumping out over the uh, <laughs> over the microphone? And you know, the, the home team are up for it. We'll miss Gomez again. You know, so his absence last week, you know, was overcome by. A solid performance by Morgan Schneider yeah, yeah, and an outstanding well. performance by Idris Gay. Those two will need to be at it again. Uh, but it's important that the players all told, you know, so showed the right attitude and the right personality to show that they can go to, you know, sort of Crystal Palace on a Saturday afternoon and do the business there. And if you can, you know, so that will teach Marco Silva something about the players, you know, so for next season, if they can't, it raises questions again that there are complacency issues, that are personality issues, and maybe the squad of players, and you know, Michael Balls addressed this in his column in the past, you know, so maybe we haven't quite got the group of players that we need. Indeed, so uh, customary <coughs> prediction time. Uh, Wheeler, what's your prediction for the game on uh, Saturday? I, I'm totally on board with what Prano just said then. I think it's like really a sign if we're a proper team. We've looked a proper team, haven't we, at home against Chelsea, Arsenal and United. But I think a proper team would back that up by going and grinding out a, a good away victory. I'm going to say 2-1 Everton. Sam? Well, I've been to two away games with the Echo this season, haven't I? Oh. Oh. Got beat 1 0 by Brighton, even though about to get relegated, and got beat by Millwall 3 2 in the FA Cup. So We can always rescind your accreditation very quickly and send Wheelow down there. So I, I, think, I think Everton definitely are going to win for me personally. 3 1. I'm surprised that the pair of you have gone for the uh, the one option each time, given how well we've defended yeah. over the last uh, few weeks. It's ben Take is my worry. Ben Take is my Ben Take is. I know, but he's just one of those players. One goal and God knows yeah. how long. No, I'm going to go for <laughs> the. I'm going to go for two nil. Uh, I'm going to go for one of those West Ham type performances yeah. where we should score a lot more than we actually do. Richarlison, if he misses out, it'll be a miss. Mm. But that automatically gives an opportunity for either Theo Walcott. Or Adam Ola Luckman to come in and, you know, sort of show what they can do. Uh, so one hundred percent be Walcott as so, well. So I'm, I'm going to go for two 0 Yeah, I, I, I go in hope that it'd be more West Ham than Fulham, and I agree. Preno, I think, uh, I think we will win two 0 So fingers crossed. Uh, stay with uh, the Echo across the weekend. We will be at Selhurst Park for the game to bring you all the best news, analysis, and opinion from what we hope is a victory and another foot closer to hopefully seventh and a ticket into Europe. So thank you very much for listening to the Royal Blue, uh, Royal Blue Podcast. You can subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes and the Acast app, so please do so. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.